0: Looking for me this week, <laughs> How <do I> <laughs> you know where I've been. you say amen to that? Is that exciting? Amen. People, new lives in Christ, and we're celebrating that, aren't we? Yes, uh, I tell you, we got, got new brother, new sister, and new brothers and sisters to celebrate all week long. And for I don't know about you, that's exciting. You know, we had a lot of the world this week trying to take that away from our joy away, but you me tell you what, it didn't happen, did it? Because you know, you know what we talked about last week? We talked about. God's love, and about how His genuine love is how we love each other. Is that right? Yeah. You've been doing that this week. I tell you what, the folks I've been walking with sure have loved in God's love. And I, I, I feel bad last about a little bit about last week because I went back to talk about our love each other and how it manifests itself in the world. And if we started with Romans 12, 1 and two, which is uh, normally pastors don't choose that for that. But it's okay, we're, we, we're just preaching God's Word, right? Amen. It began with, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the miracles of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewal of your mind, whatever you're said that... By testing, the renewing of your mind, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then we took that to, to, to examine how we that genuine love that we have fills in for the will of God in, this, in the area that he's given us to minister here. I skipped over some verses getting there, and I want to go back to those this week because that really tells us a lot about how we are to love one another more inside the church. So I'm going to go to that here in just a minute, but would you pray with me before we do that? i got to tell you, the Lord is at work in this church body. Is he? Yeah, he is. And uh, I'm just so proud to be walking with him. I hope you are too because we're following him. Lord, we thank you so much. This harvest, morning that we've given you, Lord, your harvest. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of it. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to walk with these people in Christ, all of us together in one body in unity. Lord, we just praise you because it's a gift that you've given us. Lord, in honor of that gift. As we open your word this morning, Lord, show us how we can be more yours, more yours together as a body. All of that, Lord, for your glory and your glory only. Not ours or anybody else's. We don't want to even pay any attention to anything else the world throws at us, Lord, because you're the one that shields us, and it's you that we follow. Nobody else. Lord, you be glorified as we open your word this morning. Teach us, all of us, Lord, something that we've never seen before. It's in the center of your perfect will. Give us, Lord your discernment, your understanding, so we can discern what the perfect will of God is right here in this body. In Jesus' precious name, we ask and plead and rest. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pick up where I should have left off last week. Maybe, maybe not. Verse 3, Romans 12, verse 3. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith; if service, in our serving the one who teaches; uh, in, in our service, in our if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, assuming that we're all committed Christians, uh, according to the guidelines that we set out in Romans 12 1, what we read earlier, um, how are we doing with having our minds renewed? That's a continual thing. It's not done once. Our minds are renewing continually. So, how are we doing that? Um, How are we doing with renewing our minds and our thinking about ourselves? How are we doing We're renewing our minds and thinking about the brothers and sisters sitting around you? How do we do that? How are we doing with all that? Are you looking at that? Examining that? Are you using God's word, his his communication with him and prayer and the Holy Spirit leading us? Are we doing that to discern what the will of God is? Mm Hmm. Hmm. We'll see how the scripture enters that because that's really what it does. Uh, Let's talk about how you think about ourselves. Look at verse 3. Paul, again, he advises us. And Paul's really good at this. He gives us a negative way to do it and a positive way to do it. Uh, First, the negative. For for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Let me tell you what. This is really lively language. Paul never wrote any other way. It literally says, listen, everybody. Don't super think of yourself or maybe don't hyper yourself in front of everybody. You know, the church at Rome which was the most important city in the world, right? Uh, we, are, we don't live anywhere near one like that. They probably had a lot of people that thought of themselves more highly than anybody else. Hmm. We don't have any of those around here, I know. But this may be why two chapters later, Paul's writing to the church, the, the church of Rome. He begins with Romans 14 with, as for the one who is weak in faith, listen to this, as the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. I no wonder how many times do we do that? we let the world around us with their opinions say, oh, we well, you may make you're not doing that right. Or, you know what? Who do we follow? Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it his way, are we not? Yeah. Not real popular in the world, is it? No said about that. Whatever, whoever, whatever, in people that are thinking more highly than themselves, then we ought to think, if that's, you know what? That's the way Satan made us, isn't it? Focused on ourselves. And we're here to build ourselves up. in that the way that our, our, our uh, nation actually teaches us? You know, he must be really good. He's rich. They read that thought. Or, really, I want to be rich like that. Or I want to be a great baseball. I mean, whatever. You know, we want to be what the world says is success. Hmm. A humanness is inherited from Adam. That's the way we're built. People love to think of themselves first. That's not what Scripture says. Let's keep reading. Look at there. There's two ways. First of all, there's two ways of self focus. This, this self focusing shows up in the world around us. Um, I always loved it. We just talked about it. But I always loved people that are always getting these personal achievement awards. Personal achievement awards. Did you get that? So, how well they've done by their own thinking, by their own standards, their own measure person tells you how smart he is, or, or how, how much he's done, or how strong he is, or how rich he is, or, or he's going to really be rich when he gets a big break and wins the lottery or something. You know, legend in his own mind, or, or something like that. But there's another form of, of overthinking ourselves, or, or trying to—our overestimation. It's really obvious around us, too. Like someone who self-consciously talks about themselves as if they were nobodies. Oh, I'm not really worthy of this honor. i really, not really worthy to have done this great thing. You ever heard that? Yeah. And when a person acts like that, you know, first thing you want to do is say, Well, no, 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 you're better than that. But really what they, they say is, you know what? Your self-discernment should come from Christ. So maybe you're right. Hmm. So, how are we supposed to think about ourselves? Read the rest of verse 3. But to think with sober judgment. Instead of super thought, we're supposed to have sober thought. Okay, so what does that look like? Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, I like the Christian Standard Translation. If you haven't read that, that's a good one. Um, It says, instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, here's the problem. Some people think that that teaches that sound judgment comes in proportion to the amount of faith that God's given you. If we have strong faith, then we're going to think in a right way about ourselves. But a better understanding would have this, this one word, measure, translated as standard. So look at this. The idea is that God has given each believer a standard of faith by which to measure Himself. And you know what that standard is? Jesus Christ. That's the standard we should be measuring ourselves by. We're being made in His image, are we not? You know what he's saying about making Him Lord of our lives. Thank you, Patrick. That's a great choice of songs this morning. Is He Lord? It's so great to hear Denise give that testimony this morning. He's Lord, and we've talked about what that means. He's in charge. He's Lord. He's the standard (coughs) of which we are to judge ourselves. According to this verse, we aren't supposed to estimate ourselves according to to feelings, subjective feelings, uh, but rather according to our relationship to Jesus Christ. And when a Christian sees that Christ is the standard of measurement, he will not think of himself more highly than he ought to, but rather think of himself with sober judgment. That's what my person says. Hmm. So are you soberly thinking about yourself? It's okay. Christ is the standard because you know what? He's making you into his image. Is that exciting? Uh, I believe it's impossible to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think if we understand the Christ in us, <coughs> who we're following, who's leading us. If we truly make Christ our standard, uh, we'll experience, I think, the reality of the first beatitude, uh, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what we have. That's been given to us by grace. You know. At, if you allow me, can I paraphrase that that first beatitude for you? How happy are those who realize that they have nothing of their own? That means nothing they've done, nothing that they made. They have nothing of their own that they can give to God, because theirs is God's kingdom. Oh wow! If that didn't make you put goosebumps on you, I don't know what would. We've been given the whole kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, because He's our standard the Lord of your life? Yeah. Look what we have to look forward to. Yeah, you know what? If Christ is our standard, then I'm not going to be exalting myself or super looking at me in any way, are you? Can't do that, can you? For i before Christ. And you know what? The people who, who point to themselves because they're more gifted than somebody else. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because they're more gifted than somebody else. <coughs> can't really can't do they do that, can they? Because Christ is our standard. So, how are we thinking about ourselves today? The whole body. How do we look at ourselves? All of us as believers, we're all united. We're all together, right? So, if we're all together, and Christ is our standard, we have that in common. Amen. Amen. Were there any Amens in here this morning? I believe. It's okay. You know what amen means? We already talked about this. Amen means that's true. And you agree. Okay. You know, the old time say, agree, agree, agree. Amen. Same thing. Okay. Look at verse 3. For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to be, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has aside. So having this right thinking of ourselves, we, we can know how to have a right thinking about our fellowship. Those who walk with it, with showing the living Christ living in us. All of us to different degrees, I understand. Some of us are newer than others, right? Um, we all, you always said, we all are in different places together. We're all in different maturities together, aren't we? Okay. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into the Greek. that I, I do that too much and you throw something at me when it's time to stop. But that one word in there, for us, or yours may say, for as, I mean, it says as that beginning of verse 4, tied verse 4 back to verse 3. How we are to look at the whole body together is the same way we look at ourselves with Christ as the standard of measure. We're one body, which are, we are all members even though this unity is a little mysterious you know we don't really understand it all the time it is real I wish I had time this morning to share with you the testimony I you know, I've traveled around a lot and I'm sorry for that I'm, I'm trying to get over that but you know, I've traveled around to different parts of the world and everywhere I went as a believer there was, there was a spirit that brought us all together because we had the same nature, we had the same standard, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. It didn't make any difference about languages or skin color or any of those things we think make it. It doesn't, or our culture, our style, or any of that stuff. Jesus Christ gives us all the same nature. And that's what we, that's what we share together, isn't it? Yes. Now, I've got to tell you, working with... And folks, the leadership in, in this church body this week has been wonderful because we showed that to a lot of folks that didn't really get to necessarily appreciate it, didn't they? But mm-hmm. so we did. We walked together and we showed them that we have a nature together in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We're one body of which we are all members, even though this unity is mysterious. Like I said, it is real. <sighs> this body illustration uh, doesn't mean we should try to to live more of life, you know, as a commune together. I, that would really be strange for a lot. But, but, but it's, what it, it does mean is that it shows the reality of this nature that we have in common when we all come together because we have Jesus. Second Peter 1.4 says, He has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. I like that. That portentous is the same word for the the fellowship that we have. We all get a, our our spiritual life from the same source. Jesus says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." We all come from the same source. anybody ever been a farmer? You ever done any of that kind of stuff? You know, where you graft branches together. Where's the life come from those new branches that have been grafted in? <clears throat> from the trunk, and who's the trunk? Who's the root of everything we have? Jesus Christ. We've all been grafted into the same one together. Our unity it is what Christ prayed for. Remember in the, in the garden, uh, he was praying to his father the, um, um, in John 17, a great high priestly prayer, the theologians call it. Look what he says. This is just three examples of what he says. That all of them may be one. That's what he, Jesus is praying to, to God, the Father, for you and me, that all of, all of us may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Wow. We're going to have the same kind of fellowship that Jesus has with the Father. All of us in one. That they may be one even as we are one. Later on. That they may. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. Wow. We're perfectly one in Christ. Someday we will be. I'm not there yet. But we're going to get there, right? And, and while there is very real unity, there's also real di- diversity. And the members do not have, I'm reading the universe, and the members do not have all the same functions, so we through many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, you know what, I, I kind of, working all this out, you know, in my seminary days, I'd go back and I'd, and I'd read, you know, what, what do people really write about this? And so F.F. F. Bruce, who was a great Scottish preacher, wrote, Listen to this. Diversity, not uniformity, is the mark of God's handiwork. I love that. You know, he says, look around you. I'm going to paraphrase what he says, look around you. You see all the diversity and everything, but it's all God's work. It's all his kingdom. It's all for his glory. It's all beautiful in him, isn't it? But it's all diverse. It's not the same thing. And he says, it's so in nature, it's also true in grace. And nowhere more so than in the Christian community. Here are many men and women with the most diverse kinds of parentage, environment, temperament, and capacity. Not only so, but since they became Christians, they have been endowed by God with a great variety of spiritual gifts as well. Yet because, and by means of that diversity, All can cooperate for the good of the whole. Isn't that neat? How we all work together for the good of the whole. God's glory is revealed in the diversity of his people. Uh, You know what? I don't know about you. I've I've been a lot in diverse congregations before. We're pretty diverse, aren't we? we got about one of every kind here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know what? And, And that's a great thing to love, isn't it? I do. And I hope you do too. Uh, this means that as we measure ourselves by, by Christ's standard or by his measure, we will believe ourselves, believe in ourselves and what we're doing in him. Being in Christ's body, it actually maximizes our uniqueness. We have a really unique environment here to be telling about Jesus Christ. Unique in that it's probably more intense in some areas than maybe anywhere else near us. Um. But God's put us here, in not he? Mm-hmm. And isn't it wonderful when this community around us sees us as one in him? Mm-hmm. And look, and while it's, uh, our unity it, it, it is a... Where did I, okay, okay. Diversity and unity is balanced out with our mutuality. I don't know. These are three points. you know that... It, I read when I was in seminary, but mutuality. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. Each member belongs to the other. That's in the last part of five. First Corinthians 12 says that when one member rejoices, the whole group rejoices. You know, and when one hurt, they all hurt. I read a testimony one time about an athlete, and he was talking about he broke his leg. And he says, how's your leg doing? And he said, well, you know what? I, uh, my leg was so bad that the rest of my body, the, my leg was so bad the rest of my body stayed up all night. With <laughs> no. I understand that one. No. You? <laughs> had that a few times. Uh, each of us belongs to each other. And when we had hurts, we all hurt. And we all stay up all night with each other, right? Yeah, that's okay. Um, but we do, we all hurt. I hope we're close like that. I hope we are all have this mutual love, this mutual service within us. Each of us belongs to each other, and you know what? Our needs belong to each other. We don't have any place for Lone Ranger's around here. You know what, if you think some some folks may be here this morning. If you think like your life is stuck or it's stopped, or you know what, get involved with someone else in walking with Jesus Christ. Someone in here, because if not, you're depriving yourself of growth, of spiritual growth, if you don't do that. You know.